no, I'm right. Episode 200. The podcast that uncovers the origin stories of some of the biggest names in sports, media, and entertainment. Nick Durst here, along with the one and only Joe Calabrese, who is truly one of a kind. Joe, before we introduce our awesome guest today, can you believe it? 200 episodes, if you know I'm right. What started during the pandemic in our bedrooms uh, has turned into something absolutely spectacular. Uh, since episode 50 or so, we've had nothing but guests on. Nothing but guests. 95% of that is you uh, and a little to your hardworking wife. So we appreciate that. Uh, and, and yeah, so we've had guests on. We've done their origin stories. But with our guests today, uh, we've gotten plenty of his origin stories. So now we can do the fun stuff. And uh, we are really, really happy to get another quality 15 minutes of his time. Hopefully we can fit everything we want in that 15 minutes. Uh, you can find him on MLB Network, as always, uh, NHL Network. Uh, you can listen to a Cinephile podcast, download that wherever you get podcasts. Without further ado, one of our best, best friends in the whole world, somebody who is a huge supporter of this podcast, has helped us tremendously through the last two plus years, Adnan Enverk. Adnan, thank you for doing this with us. Welcome, bud. How you doing? Love the sweatshirt. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you for such sweet words, Joe. Very nice introduction. Fred, of course, hooked me up with a sweatshirt along with a driver, which I had in my experience working at NBC. So thanks to both of you. And I love the sweatshirts. And congrats on the pod, fellas. Seriously, 200 is insane. I, I couldn't believe when Cinephile got to 200 episodes. In fact, you guys have got to 200. I mean, Nick won't always tell me who he gets. I'll just pop on your Instagram or Twitter. I'm like, oh my God, Taylor Mathis. This is huge. You know, <laughs> Joe Micheletti. This is incredible. Like, wow. Like, so I don't, I don't, I, even I'm amazed at some of these guests that you guys get. You get better guests than I get here on Cinephile. So I need, uh, I need more of Nick and Rosalie's uh, talent booking to help me out on Cinephile. But seriously, congrats, fellas. 200 is an awesome number. Uh, you've hit syndication. Hopefully the profits will come roaring in. And congrats to both of you. Better sports. Shout out to our buddy Keith Irizarry. I texted him yesterday. I go, hey, man, that's awesome. You hooked up Durst. He's like, yeah. And then I messaged Nick. He's like, hey, you got Joe in there too. I'm like, wait, Calabrese in as well. I'm like, yes. So you know I'm right, dominating right now. Congrats to you both. Absolutely. That's for sure. And yes, shout out to my wife, Rosalie, for naming the podcast. So... Kudos. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to hear that story. Why did Rosie come up with that? And did she come up with specifically, Fred, the way that you announce it in such a obnoxious tone? You know I'm right. <laughs> well, there's a story behind that, too. But. So a joke could tell that part of the story, but the, 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 sto the story about the name, I mean, you're a married man, so you know, sometimes you get some minor tiffs and uh, you got to figure out who's right. And that was just one of my go-to lines. And she said... Think, I think that could be the name, and she helps structure the show. We have our, our You Know I'm Right question and all that. So that's how the name came about. So, Joe, how do you think the, the You Know I'm Right came about? Only on SNY. Nick uh, kind of pulled out. I, I don't know about that. I think I think I was saying You Know I'm Right way, way before <laughs> the SNY stuff, but that's neither here nor there. But we do have Adnan back for not one, not two, but three times, which just puts him in a very elite club. And he joins another uh, great Canadian from Toronto, Jimmy Corderas, former WWE referee. So congratulations to Adnan for joining that group. And Adnan, of course, he's all over the place doing so many jobs. And that's why some people said unemployment was at an all-time high for a while because Adnan was screwed up all the work. <laughs> but 
you know, there was there was some rumors in the in the, in the internet this week about you. Perhaps you may have been returning to a former uh, employer. I uh, have a tight connection there. I mean, on this podcast, as you know, we had <laughs> David Meltzer on, one of the yeah. insiders in wrestling, and on this show because I'm always right. I told him Adnan Burke will be returning to Peacock in the coming months. You did with the Olympics. So I was right there. And a lot of news, of course, recently with WWE, your former employer, and they're shaking up the announced teams. Um, So we got to ask you, and you know, of course you you get off the comment, but when when is Nick Khan hitting you up? Has he spoken to you? course your former agent and when can we expect to see you doing some studio work perhaps down the line (laughs) for wwe network like your your co-worker at nhl network jackie redmond who's hosting some after shows and whatnot so seems like a perfect fit for for him right joe if if adnan was hosting some type of show like that absolutely i'm gonna say right now there's no scuttlebutt right now about this it is is completely from the team you know i'm right i don't think there's one person out there going hey is Adnan Burke coming back to WWE? I think everyone's like, ah, oh, good riddance. They got rid of that guy. I- I'm thrilled for Kevin Patrick, a.k.a. Kevin Egan. I-, I actually texted him yesterday, and it's Kevin Patrick on my phone. Then I remembered uh, he had told me after the fact, again, my name is actually Kevin Egan. I'm like, okay. So I have his, his phone number as both names in my phone. I go, I wonder which one he's going to go by first. He responded first to Kevin Patrick this morning. I'm sure I was among the thousands that texted him. Congratulations. Kevin is awesome, man. He is such a good dude. When... Uh, I think it was probably like week four or week five. I think I was sitting there like, and they, by the way, they had amazing catering at WWE. They always took care of you on the food, as you guys know, as most media members are. I'm like, where's the free food? I'm like, okay, that's where I always was. And Kevin was awesome. He came up to me one time. I was like, you doing okay? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm kind of getting beat up here on social media. These guys are coming after me. And he was like, you know what? I, I, I know where you're coming from. He's like, because I, I do soccer. Like, I, I'm from a different world. You're from Major League Baseball, from hockey, you work at ESPN. This is a tough place to come into if you're not from the wrestling world. And like, people will come at you. He's like, but I, I can empathize with what you're going through. I can sympathize. It's not an easy spot to be in. Try to tune that noise out. I know that feels impossible. Your mentions are on. You're getting crushed by people. But he's like, dude, I, I see what you're doing. And I know you're putting in the effort. Like, I, I know you're trying hard. I know those guys all swear by you and say you're a good dude. So, like, just, just hang with it. So, like, I'll never forget what he, what he said to me. And he was, it was so kind and generous of him. And then when I was no longer with the company, I remember he called me and he was like, oh my God, like, what does this mean? Like, are they putting me in there? I'm like, I, I hope so. I'm like, dude, you're awesome. And he's like, no, I, I'm not ready. Like, this, this, no, what's going on now? And I'm like, so uh, obviously Jimmy took over and, and congrats to Jimmy. I, I'm sure he had a good run. Hopefully he's got good stories. As I said, initially, I'm taking the job, fellas. I said, I think it'll be a good story for my book. It's just a shorter chapter than I would have thought, but I still have some good stories for that book. So I'm sure Jimmy has good stories for his book as well one day. But I'm thrilled for Kevin, man. He's an awesome dude. He texted me back this morning, said, I'm really pumped. Great to hear from you. I texted Corey Graves right away. Uh, he's a huge Pirates fan. So I, said, so I said, what an interesting way the thing goes. The Pirates season ends near 100 losses again, but a new chapter <laughs> begins for Corey Graves. Now with Kevin Patrick, he's like, oh, thanks, bud. I said, you'll, you'll be in good hands with, with Corey because he's such a pro and he knows that world so well. And, you know, you guys know what it's like when you try something new. You guys have lots of different jobs, too. I mean, you know what it's like. You go to a different place. Who do I trust? Who do I rely on? And there's always that one friendly face. It's like, I hey, do come with me. Like, you're good. Like, I know you are. Like, I'll look out for you. And Kevin was like that. Corey Graves was like that. Byron Saxon was like that. Michael Cole was like that. So it's, it's nice when you go into a new place that people look out for you. But I, I'm pumped for Nick Khan. As you said, Nick, he's, he's a good friend. He always will be. He was my agent for seven years. He'll be my friend for a lot longer than that. He's an all-time awesome dude. When I tell people, I'm like, it, it's insane. He is a middle-class guy from Las Vegas, you know, um, son of Persian immigrants. 
and he's the co-CEO of WWE. Like, it's incredible. Like, that's one of the all-time great success stories ever. He not only was the best agent dominating the sports landscape, but now he is atop the WWE universe, which you guys know is something which is as powerful as anything. So I, I'm just so proud for Nick, and uh, we keep in touch. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I, honestly, sometimes, like, I, I think even I'm amazed at, like, the success I see from people around me. So I'm, I'm happy for Nick. I'm happy for Kevin and Corey. And uh, you mentioned Jackie. She seems to be enjoying the gig. I see her at the gym which is where I would normally see Joe. If Joe worked with us, I would always see Joe at the gym, I'm sure. I see Jack at the gym getting her sweat on, so she tells me the WWE story. So uh, her and Camp getting after it. I, I, uh, it's funny. It, it, it's always interesting after you've worked there because then I get stories like from other people from their perspective. So I always find that's more engaging, meaning when the news came out yesterday, Nick's texting me saying, okay, here's what my friends are thinking. Here's what they're saying. And then my friend Marty Montalto, who was really helpful to me when I was calling matches, was like, all right, here, do this, do this. So like, everyone's got an opinion on different things. Obviously the McAfee news kind of, you know, shakes things up, but um, I'm excited to hear Kevin. I'm, I'm going to look forward to watching Raw, I believe this Monday. I'm going to look forward to seeing how Barrett Sports Media's Ricky Keeler and awful announcings Joe Lucia spins that whole thing and puts it on a headline, which is going to say, well, listen, Daniel Burke gives advice to Kevin Patrick about yeah. his big debut. But you're, but you're right, Fred. You know, like, you can't just have me on here. We can't just commit to the oldies. You've got to get some news of this. So we already got our news of this. Adnan Burke denies heavy rumors that he's returning to WWE. We, we have our headline right there. All right. We'll see. But, I mean, you were before that job, you were a big fan growing up. So I have yeah. to ask you, give me, give me your top three, top four favorite female wrestlers of all time. Oh, it's very specific. I thought you were going to say like top three or four like favorite matches. I was, I was going to talk about Skydome and like it was amazing when WrestleMania was there. and Rock Hogan. The of, yeah, the time that Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant, which is interesting because I am going to be talking with the Princess Bride this week on Cinephile, which is the 35th anniversary. So it was amazing watching. Wow. Oh my God. Like Andre the Giant had a pretty, pretty significant role in that movie. I know the Andre the Giant documentary, I'm sure you guys have seen was pretty cool. Of course, my favorite tag team ever, Demolition, unbelievable, Axe and Smash. It was interesting when I was there, they said, you know, people are going to ask you your favorite wrestlers growing up. I believe they said, don't say wrestlers, they say superstars. No, I can say wrestlers, it's okay. But the favorite wrestlers, and I was like, well, you know, um, I love Tito Santana, Flying Forearm was awesome. I uh, obviously a huge demolition fan. And being Canadian, I love Dino Bravo. And they're like, yeah, don't, uh, don't mention Dino Bravo. I'm like, Ooh, oh, okay. Dino you know, with the, ma the mafia in Toronto. Yes, exactly. Mob got involved, did not meet a timely. And I'm like, okay, I will avoid all mentions of Dino Bravo. But I, honestly, I, I'm such a huge fan. You guys remember Dino Bravo. Again, you're younger than me. You probably, maybe not even remember Dino Bravo. You've seen him. But Dino Bravo would come out and you have the fleur de lis, which was always like an unbelievable thing. I mean, he has the Quebec flag. Now, as you guys know, I was born in Ontario. I was born in Toronto, but I grew up in Kingston just a few hours away. Kingston's like halfway between Toronto and Montreal. So I've always had a soft spot for the good people of Quebec. I, I love Montreal. I love Quebec City. It's one of my favorite cities to visit. I mean, you want to take a lady there. It's, it's like the closest thing to get to Europe. You just go to Quebec City. Old Quebec's amazing. So I want to be like Dino Bravo out there waving the flag. But this is my Fleur de Lis. Back to your question, Fred. Female wrestlers. I got to go Trish Stratus. I mean, Stratus faction, guaranteed. Uh, Mandy Rose, unbelievable. <laughs> and you already know where I'm going. Eva Marie. I mean, that's like, that's, it's one of, the, one of the great shames of my gig at WWE. I did not know that Eva Marie would be coming back to the ring. I was as floored as anybody when I saw the promo. And Graves had to read it. I'm like, what? Like, Eva Marie's coming back? I'm going to call Eva Marie matches? And unfortunately, things did not work out. I have to look it up. I was gone May 24th was my final show, which I know because it was my son Yusuf's birthday. I had to miss his birthday to call those matches. That'll always be a good story. Sorry I miss you turning 13, buddy. I was in Florida calling WWE Monday Night Raw. Thunderdome. But, yeah, and at the Thunderdome, exactly. But pretty fans. People always remember, how weird was that? A bunch of screens that you were talking to. 
Uh, but I think even when he came back like three weeks later. So mm-hmm. I have no regrets of the, about the experience. You know, I've spoken to both of you guys about it. That is the only regret. I just wish I had three more weeks. I could have called a match from the great Eva Marie. And then about three weeks after that, Eva Marie was gone too. But we know she's a big <laughs> cinephile fan. She left you that great message. Yeah, that was an unbelievable video she sent. That was, I don't, I mean, that was so generous. She even said, you know, your buddy Nick told me he had a birthday coming up. So clearly that would be Nick Khan who actually heard that. Right. But, uh, Mandy too. I mean, yes, Nick Mandy sending out the demands and, uh, they go right out to Cinephile, so no surprise there. And, and by the way, I should mention, you know, after everything went down, I did speak to Nick afterwards, and we had a nice conversation. He was like, hey, anytime you ever need tickets or anything, you know who to call. So I've not hit him up on that yet. So you guys let me know. SummerSlam. Well, I got to tell you, Adnan, next yeah. year, WrestleMania is in Philadelphia at the link. Okay. So. Done. Okay, let's get that in there early. I'll, I'll text Nick right now. Like, all right, let's get that out of the way. We're going to need at least three, if not actually six. Imagine that. I tell my kids, gotta bring the I'm taking Nick Durst and Joe Calabrese. We're not going? No, no. Nick and Joe are going to go. You know I'm right. You guys stay home. We're going to the link. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, speaking of going to like events and stuff, if you if you had to pick, what three sporty events would you want to watch in person with Joe? It's interesting that you're putting specifically to Joe. Again, I, I love the question because you throw me off guard, Fred. I wanted to just, I thought you were just going to say, what three events you need to go to? I'm like, oh, Wimbledon number one. No, now I'm like, wait. Yeah, now I'm like with Joe. I'm like, hmm, I don't know if Wimbledon's good with Joe. I'm going to just say Wimbledon no matter what because, <clears throat> I mean, Joe's, Joe's good people, so we're going to hang. I, I don't think Joe will be as into the Wimbledon experience as I will be, but I'm like, hey, bro, we got some strawberries and cream. I'll get you some English beer. You know, obviously, we're just going to enjoy some <laughs> lawn court tennis, and I think Joe will be fine. I think, you know, I think Joe would start hitting on some British girls. They would, like right. his, they would like his American accent, you know, the Jersey style of Joe. Oh, it's Italian guy. Right, so, so I actually think Wimbledon would be pretty good now that I think about it. Kind of a fish out of water thing. It'd be like Ted Lasso for tennis. Here's Joe playing the role of Jason Sudeikis, hanging out the All England Club. So Wimbledon is in. Got to say World Cup. I just imagine, like, I mean, Joe would clean up an experience like that because you're getting all these different women from different ethnicities. And I feel like Joe's pretty worldly, <laughs> different languages he can speak. So I'm like, definitely World Cup. I would just like to be an observer watching Joe work the room, like working the crowd, I think would be awesome. And I mean, the soccer would be cool. But again, I'm, I'm focusing this towards Joe. And then three, of course, I know how what a huge Rangers fan he is, as are you. As, as much as it pains me, I'd probably want to go see a Rangers-Flyers game with Joe. But I, I don't yeah, want to do it now. because You know like, Joe's going to tweet you no matter what about those yeah, games. Well, well that's what I mean. You, you guys are like all-time chirpers. Like, this is where I, I'm reminded of the fact you guys are younger than me. Because, like, when you're younger, you're just, like, chirping and talking smack. When you get older, like, I'm, I'm 44. I'm like, I don't, you know, if the Flyers beat the Rangers, I don't have to tweet at you guys. But, like, you both are like, oh. You do, though. <laughs> Rangers won 6-2. Take that. I'm like, it's like April 8th. Like, the like the Flyers have been out of it. For, like, these guys are still tripping me. Like, okay, well, I guess it's, you know, they're young guys. They want to trash talk. It's okay. You got Tortorella now. He's the king of trash talks. He's going to be great. Yes. For the answer, is, you have to go. You want to go see a Jets game with Joe because his, he is just like, his jaw drops at how terrible his team is. And he's yeah. just like, oh, my God, it's so much fun. That's actually a better call, Nick. You're right. I want to see how miserable he is. So then I can enjoy the agony of Joe as he's dropping F-bombs and epithets at his team. Cursed franchise. Yeah, it is a cursed franchise. The other thing we were talking, as you guys know, the Mariners have ended the longest playoff drought in professional sports. I'm like, I feel like the Jets should be on that list. I get, it's, it feels so long ago when it was Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez going to those AFC championship games. Never met Sanchez, but everyone says he's a great guy. I believe, Fred, our boy Scott Rogowski, I remember guys. Somebody was on a flight with Mark Sanchez. Well, somebody that we know. He was like, it'd be was Jacob Ullman, Joe's boy, Jacob Ullman. I, mean, I don't think Jacob. I mean, Jacob Ullman <laughs> doesn't know him. I don't think we see him. I mean, listen, Sanchez worked with Kevin Nagandi, Rob Lemley, guys that I'm friends uh. with. But someone, somebody like a Rogowski was like, oh, I just started chatting up Mark Sanchez. He was great. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, did he bring up the butt fumble? Like, how quickly does that come up in conversation? He's like, yeah. He's listen. He's winning at life. And the Jets. It's like, 
I, although, I, you know, Joe, I, I do pump up Robert Sala, first Muslim head coach in the NFL. So, like, no matter what, I'm repping him. People are like, oh, the Jets suck. I'm like, hey, I love Robert Sala. Just purely on ethnicity and background. I'm cheering for the Jets for my man. You know, I mean, I, I like Sal. I think he's doing a good job so far. I need to see more body of work from Zach Wilson now that he's fully healthy. Yeah. Uh, but they're two and two. They, I didn't expect them to be in two and two. So uh, hopefully the Giants and the Jets here for Nick and I are good, finally going to take a turn. It's been a while since we've seen two good football products here. Uh, in the. I'm, I won't say New York because the Bills are a New York team and they get nice. rowdy about that. But, you know, here it's been a while since both teams were good at the well, same time. I didn't realize you were a Jets fan. So rem- like, I, I will keep this in mind now because Kathy Leogrand, whose daughter Allie is a good friend of mine from my days at ESPN. She now works on Get Up. Her husband, Justin Havens, all-time great researcher on Baseball Tonight. He's now working for Major League Baseball. But Kathy, who is awesome, has Jets season tickets. And she messaged me a month ago. She goes, any Jets tickets you want? I was like, last year I went because they were playing the Eagles. She goes, I know they're not playing the Eagles, but any tickets you want? I go, um, I just can't imagine. Like this weekend, I'm like, I would rather watch the Eagles Cardinals or any other game than go in person, even though I live 25 minutes away, to go watch an NFL game and take one of my kids to watch Jets Jaguars. And, and she was aghast. She's like, I'm offering you free NFL tickets. I'm like, I understand that. Nothing's free. I got to pay for parking. I got to get food. I have to send you a gift oh. for giving me free oh, tickets. Oh. Parking, I mean, this. And, and as you know, with Better Sports Network, I'm at MetLife every Sunday. Right. So Fred and, can... uh, I mean, the Jets are charging $60 per vehicle to park. The Giants only charge $30. I was, I was shocked. I, I was like, are you sure to be attendant? But sixty. How about this? So as you guys know, with MLB Network, I get the MLB season pass, which I didn't even realize earlier this year. I was calling a game at Fenway, and I didn't have it. And we're going through this big hullabaloo to go get like the paper-written single media day pass. And I'm like, Alex Cora is waiting. I swear he's my friend. I'll call him right now. We have manager meetings. Like, I, I, I'm not an imposter. You can ask any producer. Like, I'm on television. I'm like, I'm not. Like, we just need to get the pass. Written. I'm like, okay, no problem. And then I get the media pass. And afterwards, my wife, Amy, was saying to me, she goes, you can go to any baseball game. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, anything I want. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, if I didn't have to do the kids, I'd be going a lot more. But I'm like, I, I, anything I want. So as Judge was nearing in on the record, Joe, I was like, I got to go watch it. Give me a Yankees team and just see him break the record. So it was Yankees, Red Sox couple of Sundays ago and it was a seven o'clock game. So whatever, I was busy with the kids all day. I can go in at night. You should have told me you were there. I was there yeah. and it rained. I know, this is the, you know exactly where this is going. I asked them, I go, what time should I leave? It's Sunday, seven o'clock in. They go, at least two hours. I live in Bergen County, Hohokus, 15 Too miles late. in the stadium. And I had to leave, I left at 5.20, at least an hour plus of traffic. But as you know, the parking, the one just outside Yankee Stadium, not River Street, the other one. I'm like, it's great because there's six floors, but just to park, takes 30 minutes and you have to go prepay your parking. That machine breaks down 655. I'm in Yankee stadium and I don't have a seat. Obviously the media pass. I'm not going to sit, you know, in all the respect, not, not, I'm not going to sit next to John Amon. So I just wandered around the whole time of the concourse, six innings. That's all we get. We got six innings. Eventually I just sat down in left field. I saw an empty row of seats. Like I'm just going to sit here. I'm like, all right, sitting there. And then at one point guy walks up and goes, oh, that's my seat. I'm not kidding fellas. There was like eight empty seats. I'm like, you can pick any one of these eight. Like you want this specific? He's like, yeah, I'm like, Okay, I just got up very dramatically, walked over two steps, sat down there. Later on, lady comes by, that's actually my seat. Okay, I will get up again, walk down two seats. But six innings, it rained. How long did you stay for the rain delay? I hung in for an hour, and I, I texted I texted Cora and Boone. And I go, hey, both of you guys know what's going on. Can you just tell me, should I stay or not? And then Cora goes, get out of here. So I beat the traffic by 10 minutes. I got home in 35 minutes. I couldn't believe it. I stayed through the whole thing, and I saw the lightning strike. Hey. Lightning strikes, <laughs> an old mother dies. At that point, it was over. <laughs> I, I'm so glad Judge got it. I know Fred's a Yankee hater, but Booney's my guy. And I, it, it would have sucked if he got to 61 and just died. Like, 
Either break it or come close, right? If it was 60 and he tied Babe Ruth, okay. Or 62 and you break it. I think it's a great story for baseball. I know for Fred anybody that's confused as to why Adnan's calling me Fred. He's a big Limp Biscuit fan. Yeah. Well, when we first met, I go, Nick Durst is your name. I go, we're going to call you Fred. And then the other option was Robert Durst. Of course, no. the, uh, the murderer. <laughs> and, and Fred, Fred immediately vetoed you because you can call me Fred. I'm not going to go with Robert. I go, okay. But check out the jinx on HBO Max. Fantastic six-part documentary. And in fact, when Robert Durst died, I immediately texted Nick. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry about your uncle. He's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. Speaking of dying, uh, you're one of your favorite athletes of all time, Roger Federer. <laughs> hey, uh, his, his, his career is now over, and it's, it's a tremendous career. Uh, but once upon a time, uh, somebody who I record a podcast with told you that he would never win another major. Right. Uh, so my question is, what is the name of the podcast? Well, first of all, he, Federer was like 38 at the time. Like, like Fred's taking this victory lap. Like, oh, he's never going to win again. I'm like, well, he's 38 years old. Like, that's not exactly a gutsy pick. That's like if I said right now, LeBron James will never win another title. I'm like, well, yeah, he's almost 40 for God's sake. He's just playing so that, like his son can play with him. Like, there, there was nothing. If, if Federer was 27 and Nick had said, Federer will never win another title. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty bold pick. The guy's 38 years old. He had just played Djokovic at Wimbledon 2019. Twice Djokovic incredibly fought off match point which is what Nick, I guess, was referring to, like, oh, Federer gagged, he'll never win again. I'm like, okay, great. But, like, you don't get props. It's like if I had said going to the U.S. Open, Serena is not going to win the major. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. She, she's, she's just a kid. She's the problem was she's your kid. response was stupidest tweet you've ever sent. But it was yeah. right. It was 100% accurate. No, it was the stupidest tweet ever because there was nothing behind it. Again, there was no risk. You've got to have skin in the game. You guys know this with better sports. When you gamble, you got to have something on the line here. The guy is 38 years old. He had knee surgery. Why on earth is it a like, better is finished? I'm like, okay, like probably. How is that a gutsy pick? Well, Joe, it probably all depends about his Zodiac sign, right? Absolutely. And then uh, you mentioned your age before. I'm not going to get into specifics, but uh, what is your Zodiac sign? I'm curious. <laughs> I, I did not know that this was coming up. Of all the questions, when, I, when we finish this interview, I'm going to go, wow, I did not think we were going to go horoscope. Uh, but I am a Leo. You're a Leo. I could see that center of attention, like to be, you know, you, you talk about me wanting to be the person in the room commanding the, all the attention. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you host one of the, the best nightly whip shows uh, going right now, and you have so many things going on and uh, always want to be in the spotlight, which I totally understand. Yeah, that's uh, not totally yeah. accurate, by the way. Some aspects of the Leo are accurate. The one that's most accurate is bad temper, which I have. Leo's have a bad temper which I have to work on, but I, you know, it's a day-to-day -day struggle. Uh, stubbornness, that's definitely a Leo thing. I'm definitely stubborn, uh, a little headstrong, but generous, definitely Leos are very generous, passionate, yes. and like that. So I, I center of attention, yes and no. I mean, you're absolutely right in that I'm a broadcaster, which clearly I have lights on me right now, center of attention. But if you put me in a party, I'm not the guy working the room. I, I much prefer kind of hanging out. In fact, my brother-in-law once said to me, he's like, you're really good at flipping the switch. I said, what's that supposed to mean? I wasn't sure if he was confident or insulting me. He goes, oh, no, he goes, you're not like, Adnan Burke all the time. You're kind of pretty good at just like, I'd like to watch a movie by myself. I like to read a book. And then when the lights come on, then you can kind of turn the pizzazz, which I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's a compliment, but I'm like, I think most people would be like that. Like, I don't think Jamie Foxx at all times is Jamie Foxx, but no, who knows? Well, I, I mean, we know you are Adnan Burke when it comes to tennis. So would you rather play doubles tennis with Mad Dog, Lauren Shahadi, and Mark DeRosa <laughs> or Pickleball with Robert Flores? Well, that's an excellent question. Again, the, the next level research. I mean, I was impressed with the fact you asked Taylor Mathis about being a lifeguard. So that, I mean, that deep sea research you guys are known for. And again, the fact that you would know that, that Robert Flores, I said, of course, good friend of mine from our days at ESPN, 
Want to get a little hang in? He lives in Kinalon. It's about 45 minute drive, a little far. So I'm not sure if he really wants to go see a movie with me. Although again, to be honest, I'd rather not see movies with people. People mention like, I'd love to see a movie with you. I'm like, I'd rather not. I, I kind of like doing it by myself. But anyways, I said, let's get a little bonding going. I said, of course, let's play tennis. He goes, honestly, I'm a big pickleball guy. I, I'm like, what'd you say? He goes, I, I would love pickleball. I'm like, okay. He goes, if you come to Kinalon, he goes, we, we got to play. We'll get the wives together. I'm like, all right. So then I, I asked him once and I was like, all right, do, do you want to play that pickleball? And he was like, uh, I got guys coming to the house right now. They got to do some painting. I go, okay, no problem. I give it like two weeks. I go, hey, do you, you want to play that pickleball? He's like, I got to get my hair cut. I go, okay, um, like, uh, we're done. Like, oh, for two. Like, Joe knows this. When you're hitting on a girl, like, oh, for two, like, I got it. I'm not that stupid. So I've not taken, and I didn't even want to play pickleball. Again, to be clear, the whole point was just to hang out with Robert. But I'm like, if you're going to go, painters come to the house, that's fine. Haircut? I'm like, okay, now like, I'll, I'll wait for that. So I'm still waiting to order your question, Fred. He has not hit me up on the pickleball. Love Shahadi. She texted me yesterday. Uh, Mad Dog I love. I'm not in a relationship with Mad Dog that I can like text him though. Like I'm not, when I see him, I'm happy to see him. Ah, Mad Dog is there. He's a great guy. He's funny. He's complimentary of me. He actually said, he goes, he's very good at doing the show. You know, he's, he's a little silly. He's a little goofy, but he's, he gets it. Like he gets it. Be funny, gonna be, he gets it. But I'm not the level of either texting him to set up a tennis match or I think to play him. I played with my friend Mike Wallen the other day and he's very good and I'm very average. I don't know this someone said to me, he goes, you're at the intermediate level. I said, correct. Beginner means you miss it. Like a pro, like Mad Dog is like hitting ground strokes. I'm like, I'm in the intermediate. I'm hitting the ball over, but I'm just kind of running around having fun. There's, there's no skill here. There's no talent. So I think Mad Dog would wipe the floor with me because I think he plays like three times a week, as does Fast Version. So long way of saying, I'll still play the tennis only because Flores and Pickleball sounds completely unappealing. I don't mean to offend either, either of your Pickleball guys, but I just... I, I just don't understand. And I know it's popular. DiCaprio's playing it. Larry David's playing it. I got it. I know there's pickleball courts. I just, why wouldn't I just play tennis? Like, it seems like it's less running. Uh, although I asked him the other day, Jameson Coyle, who Fred knows, of course, um, does a great job on NHL Network. I think he said he played pickleball for like four hours. So maybe, I only play tennis for an hour. Maybe the four hours of pickleball is better than one hour of tennis. I don't know. You guys tell me. What is your favorite show to work on in LB NHL Network? Of course, I know you love doing the NHL draft for about 14 hours straight. But what other shows do you like given most of the well, time? This actually does go back to Joe's point about me being the center, liking me in the center of attention, because those shows that I most enjoy, I thought this the other day, uh, as Bill Morningstar, our president, I was talking to you. So what do you like most like doing? Because I get to do lots of different things. And I enjoy the aspect of doing different things. And I said, you know, I love uh, High Heat just for the opening monologue. He's the guy. I go, I love that. 10 minutes is just firing away. He's like, uh-huh. I go, I love pregame spread just for the monologue. You know, that first eight minutes, like, hmm, got it. Uh, MLB now, I love doing the essay, like a six-minute essay, whatever topic I want. It's like, mm. So three instances where it's just you. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much kind of my favorite thing. And my favorite thing at ESPN, of course, was filling in for Keith Olbermann. And uh, what is that show? You would do a six-minute monologue, whatever topic you wanted. Then you'd work in some guests, do some highlights. So I, I think those are the three shows that I like the most because they get to exercise and kind of use those muscles. But MLB Tonight is the flagship show. Like that, That's like our sports center. So I did it yesterday with Chris Young, Jake Peavy. Both those guys are awesome. Young guys, good stories. To me, like MLB Tonight is the flagship show. That's the show you want to do, show of record, highlights, et cetera. As far as people I like working with, Police Act's unbelievable. Great energy, so funny. Love playing with the Jays. Last time I saw him, I brought up some PC cookies from Canada, President's Choice. And you know when you see someone who's defeated, like just a long week and he walked in, and I just go, look what I got for you. I, I mean, he almost kissed me. He, he was so excited. A big hug. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I saw Police Act later, and he goes, I went two sleeves. And I'm like, What? He's like, yeah, I go, that, that's 12 cookies. He's like, yeah, I'm like, that's incredible. <laughs> that is, you might as well start calling Dan Plesak the cookie monster. But I love Plesak. Love Sean Casey. Great guy as well. 
uh, as my son Mods is showing you a monkey, we'll edit this out. Uh, but I would say other people. Which which person that you work with did you, did you say is most like Curious George? Yeah, I was about to say my young son Mods worked here. Curious George, Mickey Mouse. Who is most like Curious George? Tony Laughlin. I'm going to say Tony Laughlin is most like Curious George. <laughs> and um, we'll say uh, Brian Kenny is like Mickey Mouse. He's got Mickey Mouse and Curious George there, both of them there. But yeah, I love Casey. I love Plesak. Harold Reynolds is great. I mean, they're all good dudes. It's tough to pick one. What I miss from the ESPN days is that you used to get to work with the other hosts. Like you would do a sports show. So I'd be with Max Bredos or Steve Weissman or Deuces Rogers, any of my friends. So now you don't get to do that. I think one segment ever, I me mean, was me and Amsterdam are together. And that was fun. We did like one highlight together. We were crossing over shows. I wish I could do a show with Robert, you know, Flores, uh, minus the pickleball. Um, then with Shahadi before, which was nice. But yeah, Lauren Gardner, Lauren Gardner and I haven't worked together since Changeup. I mean, that was how we first became friends. We haven't what been a show. together. Yeah. I mean, ahead of its time. I thought earlier when, when, when Joe was saying a state-of-the-art whip-around show, I'm like, I thought he was talking about change-up. But um, it, was. it was the Black Panther of its time. It was clearly a show ahead of its time, but ultimately change-up has gone away. So I'd like to get back in the saddle with LG Red. I need to make an appearance on Off Base. Me and X, I mean, how good would that be? It would be excellent. Unfortunately, I think Off Base extended, right? Yeah. The last episode, and now LG is going on the road. Yeah, LG is going on the road. Nick was saying to me, surprised I didn't push for Toronto, but I'm not, I'm not a pusher. I don't push. Whatever the schedule is, I go, okay, no problem. Because to me, I'm like, when you push for something, if it doesn't work out, then it's on you. So if I said, hey, I really want to go to Toronto for Jays, okay. And then I go and Jays get swept in two. I'm like, well, you want to go so badly. I'm like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you get screwed at customs. Something happens. You know, like, oh, yeah. And especially if it's like a home game, you end up doing other things. Like I would have taken full advantage of going to stay at my parents' place, Probably would have been late somewhere. Probably been out, out late with some buddies. Like, I would have definitely screwed up the assignment. There's no question about it. But Melanie, Melanie Newman is all over it. Jays and Mariners. Let's go. Speaking of LG, I got to ask you, how do you rank your office mates between <laughs> LG, Keith, and Stryker? I need to know who's one, who's two, who's three. Excellent. Uh, Joe, that never happened. Okay? That never happened that Matt Stryker was in the office with me. Although he technically does have one of the desks. I never see him, but you are right. You, you know the layout very well. Keith is behind me, LG to my right, and Stryker theoretically has that other desk. Only since I know this will get posted and you guys work with better sports, I have to put Keith at number one. I mean, the, and this is one of, the, one of the great things Tim Kirchner never taught me. He said, people that avoid questions are just like, it's the worst thing ever. Like the evasive thing to do would be like, oh, they're all number one. I can't rank them. But you guys, you know I'm right. I will answer the question. I will always answer the question under oath. So yes, Arizari is at one. Better sports, do or die, you know I'm right. LG Reddit two. Stryker and I have had very few conversations. I, I probably met Matt Stryker in my life two or three times. A little bit of wrestling talk. Surprised that, like most people, when they meet me, how short I am. He is also short, which I like. Oh, yeah, Stryker also not a very tall guy, but broad, ponytail. Talk a little bit about the kids. I don't, uh, Stryker is almost like an attach you say NA, like non applicable. I just, I haven't spent enough time with him. Whereas LG and Keith, I've spent a lot of time together. Irizarry, I'm ranking at one. But of course, I mean, the all-time OG is Rogowski. If Rags was there, he blows those guys out of the water. Absolutely. And uh, so you mentioned kind of going with the flow with your schedule before. Yeah. Uh, you got to do some play-by-play -play this year for a couple of games, and Nick and I tuned in. We thought you did a tremendous job, Thank and you. it's something that I think that if you have the opportunity to do moving forward, you should take advantage of. Thank you. So with that said, uh, you know, one of our great all-time guests was Kenny Albert. Yes. Uh, Kenny Albert covered all four major sports in four straight days. Yeah. Do you think you would ever have the opportunity? Do you think you would ever be able to do that? I think you no. could. I, I wish I could. I think but you I'm not, could. No, Joe, I'm not nearly as talented as Kenny Albert. I'll be completely honest. 
I mean, we've already discussed the fact that I'm a Leo, so I have a huge ego. But I could do the baseball play-by-play. I could do the football play-by-play. The basketball play-by-play, I, I think I'd be okay. Could not do hockey play-by-play. Like the, you, you guys are huge hockey fans. You know how hard that is. That's, that's virtually impossible. It's actually one of my great fears of my life. Because as you know, I'll do anything. Anything they ask me to do, I'll do it. I swear I had a dream the other day that like, somebody called me and goes, hey, Steven Nelson's unavailable. E.J. Raddick can't go. Can you call the Bruins Rangers? I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, no, like I don't like hockey. You have to know all those numbers. You guys know this when you're calling those numbers on the fly. Like you can't, I, it would be so broad and vague. You'd hear a lot of Boston dumps the puck in, working the puck around the boards, shot on net. Like I wouldn't be able to identify anybody. Whereas with football, you have a spotter. Like you can just say, Zach Wilson back to pass, caught, and boom, the spotter's like pointing. Like it, it's like, oh, he made the catch. And like you can quickly get your numbers. You have a good support system. Like hockey, you can't have a spotter. No one's helping you. You have to identify those names. And the game moves so quickly. Again, as hockey fans, you guys know, oftentimes you'll say, shot, score. And then you can say, Nazem Kadri with the goal. Because it's so quick when it happens. You, know I mean? you just go, shot, score, deflected by, and then you clean it up and say what it is. Whereas in baseball, you have the time to do it. Um, you know, in basketball, again, there's some pacing to it. But basketball, I was, at one point they asked me about maybe doing some Raptors games when I was in Toronto. I don't think it was ever going to happen, but somebody had asked me about it potentially happening. Basketball, I think, would be fun because you're right there. That's the one thing with basketball. At least you're right courtside. So it's pretty cool when you're calling the action. Hockey, obviously, that high angle. Baseball is my favorite one to call. I think it's, it's weird. I, I think it's the easiest sport to call. Steve Levy said to me it's the hardest. He goes, are you kidding? He goes, I go, well, you don't have to say too much. He goes, you have to say something. He goes, you can't just be silent, ball one. Like, you have to bring something to the table. So you have to make points, give observations. Give some information, let your analyst in, but definitely don't over talk. And when the moment comes, hit it and get out of the way. So I think that's a good point by Steve. So I, I've definitely enjoyed doing baseball the most. I think football will be too. I called the college football game once with Kirk Herbstreet and Joey Galloway. And uh, it was awesome. It's, again, but I had a great spotter. Like that guy was great. I remember I showed up so ill prepared. He's like, where's all your boards and your notes? I'm like, oh, I'm just going to just kind of wing it. He's like, okay. So, <laughs> so, like, so he was there hooking me up, like point, like literally pointing. That, that's who caught it. This is just. He would, he would like to make motions, like, like, you know, like this. I'm like, okay, offside, holding, whatever. So I'm like, if, if you have a great support system, which has kind of been the story of my life, that's how I've had any sort of success. But I think hockey would be impossible. I'd love to say I could do it, but honestly, I don't think I could. And I, I, think, now, I think we're going to see you maybe doing hockey this year with EJ from the studio. Steven Nelson can't make it. <laughs> LG Red has a, a flight issue. And like, you know what, Adnan? No, all-time story filling in is EJ Raddick. Again, you guys are good under pressure. You guys would say yes. Nelson had pink eye. Uh, LG Ray's never done play by play, so I don't know where she was. Nelson's the number one guy, and then it's EJ. So e Nelly pink eye. 11, Bob 50, 11 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bob, by the way, one of the all time greats. Um, 11.51 to call to EJ. Can you call the game? Sabres, Flyers? Pretty sure it was the game. And he's like, okay. He, big on his environmentalism, so he has an electric car. So he's like, I got to charge my car first. Okay, I had to charge his car and drive. It lives like an hour away. He showed up at 12.48. And he called that game when it was flawless. Because I didn't know the backstory. I was watching because it was the Flyers. And then I'm texting the first beer. I'm like, oh, dude, great call, blah, blah, Martin Jones sucks. And he's like, yeah, I just found out an hour ago I was doing this. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I, I told him, I go, that's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. On 10 minutes of prep, he just walked in. Give me a roster. Let's do it. Him and Kevin Weeks. It was great. So if you were to, to start, a, let's say, like a, a betting podcast of your own, maybe – more NFL focused, who would you consider to be your, your coach? Would you go with an NFL person or would you go with like a, a sports betting type of person? Another good question. I would go with Lombardi. Obviously, Mike was my guy from GM Shuffle. I would, I would try to get the band back together again. I'm like, all right, I would, I would make a call to Beast and go, can I get Mike? Like, we already have chemistry. We did 
Uh, you've got two hundred episodes. Probably Mike and I did two hundred episodes together. So I would probably call Mike. I was listening to him yesterday with Femi, and uh, it's funny how like he's just he's the same guy. He just loves playing the hits, and he's always so entertaining and brash and opinionated. And it's kind of like with the title, actually. If, if Lombardi would have a "You Know I'm Right" title, like he that's that's one of the keys to like being really good at the job. Like you got to have a little bit of arrogance to you. You got to be like, no, I'm right. You guys are wrong. Here's the picks. Especially with a betting show, you have to be like over the top arrogant, like obnoxiously arrogant, like, listen to me, I'll make you money. What's amazing to me is that I believe the success rate of a gambler is like 53, 55%. If you're at that rate, you're a good gambler. Mike in our first year doing GM Shuffle was at 63%. I don't gamble, but I'm like, I'm dealing the app. I'm going to start gambling because if that's 63%, I'm going to start making easy money. Now year two, I think he was around 50, maybe 48. Like that, that's what happens, right? There's that bounce. But I would definitely go with Mike just because he's my dude. If I need some gambling people, Ariel Epstein I worked with, she's great, pregame spread. Taylor Mathis, just on the podcast, I'll get her involved. I mean, I would just make a call to you guys. Can you get Taylor involved? I would have you guys on. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, would have, I would have Nick for the Giants perspective. I would have Joe for the Jets Joe's perspective. The, Joe's the expert gambler. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's always gambling. I, I don't do that. So yeah. that's It's ironic. Something. You work for better sports, and yet you're not a gambler. I like I'm a it. field reporter, you know? Right. So what do you – and real quick here – without much of an explanation, because if they want the explanation, they can go to Cinephile to listen to this. But give me your worst movie of 2022 and your worst movie of all time. Okay, worst movie of 2022, I don't know yet. I don't, you listened to it. Maybe I said it the other day. But it, it's definitely worst movies of all time. There's one really bad one called Nothing But Trouble. With Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase. It's just awful. Was it Chevy Chase or Dan Aykroyd? I don't know. It was so bad, I don't try to remember it. But Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is the answer is the worst one. <laughs> you might as well have had a monkey and Mickey Mouse in that thing. Sylvester Stallone, Estelle Getty, horrible comedy, uh, meant to be a comedy, action comedy, whatever it was, just horrific. Stop right, mom will shoot. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. Although I saw a movie called Trash Humpers, which is in the conversation as well, and that's exactly as it sounds. It's by the director, Harmony Kareen. I saw it with my dear friend, Mark Kalmanici, Toronto International Film Festival. Harmony Kareen is the guy who wrote Kids, was directed by Larry Clark. He did a movie called Gummo, which is also lurid. And so I remember watching Trash Humpers. Oh, it's Harmony Kareem at the film festival, something different. No, it's guys humping trash. Like it, was, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the Jesus Rules came out two years ago. I love John Turturro, one of my favorite actors. Uh, that was a, I don't say a sequel, but they took the character from The Big Lebowski and made a movie about him. Horrific. The worst, Horrific. The worst movie I saw in theaters was The Heartbreak Kid with Steve Carell. I was like, I can't wait to get out of here. Yeah, I've never seen it. Don't. I, seen the, I, seen the, I thought Ben Stiller did that. Uh, maybe it was Ben Stiller. Yeah. It was, so, it was so forgettable that I don't. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about bad movies, right? Like it's, I'm with you, Fred. I always feel like they're so forgettable. I get, some people go the other way. They go, and I hated it so much. I'll never forget it. Like my friend Mike Kiss watched Gone Fishing with Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. And he said, that's two hours of my life. I'm never going to get back. So it, 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 sometimes people get that vitriol going. Joe, how about you? What's your worst movie? It's a good question. I didn't really have something prepared off the top of my head. Uh, I got to get back to you. All right, get back to me on that. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, uh, I'll speak, you later. Speaking, speaking of one of the worst things I've ever seen, the Philadelphia Flyers product over the past couple of years has been absolutely <laughs> atrocious. So I, I need to ask you, of all your major teams, and I feel like uh, I may know the answer to this, but if, if one of them, right, you could get one championship – it's the Flyers. One of them. It's the Flyers, right? Yeah, yeah no, 100%. I, figured that. Yeah. I, I was born in 78. The Flyers last won the Cup in 75. I missed the Broad Street Bullies, but of course I've seen DVDs and that great HBO documentary about them. 
Uh, Bill Ripken, who I work with, huge Flyers fan. He saw, I have like little flyer gloves on my dashboard. And so he knows which one's my car. And the other day he says to me, uh, I didn't know you're a Flyers fan. I'm like, yeah, because that's your car. I'm like, yeah, flyer gloves. And so he starts quoting like 70s flyers, like, you know, going way back to Bobby Clark era and stuff. I'm like, oh, I love it. Me and Bill Ripken, not messing around here. Um, it'd be the flyers because they're the ones, it was my first love. Like it was the first pro sports team that I loved. And it was the first one that broke my heart. Like 85, I was seven years old. I made the cup. Lost in 86, Kelly Lindbergh dies, like tragic. I remember on the news, they said his brain was like a vegetable. And I had no idea what that meant. And I asked my dad, what does that mean? And he was like, why are you asking me this? I'm like, I just, my, my favorite flyer, he just died. And they said his brain's like a vegetable. And he drove that Lamborghini. I saw that video. I'm like, oh my God, it was horrible when he died. And then of course, Hextall became my favorite player, favorite athlete all time, 87. I'm like, yes, love this guy. He's a Leo. He's not a Leo, but he's like me. Feisty, he's angry, he's slashing guys. I'm like, yeah, I love him. Um, and, uh, my brother's a front runner. I love him, but he's like classic. Oh, whatever team is good. I'll cheer for them. So he was an Oilers fan. Cause of Gretzky. So again, we're growing up in Eastern Ontario. We're in Kingston, Ontario, Leafs, Habs. This is pre senators. Although probably we should have been Ottawa fans because of proximity. Once the sense came up, but my brother was cheering for the Oilers. I'm sure for the Flyers. You guys know this. If you have siblings, you're going head to head. Like, let's go. And the fact that Oilers won on seven, I remember I cried. Like it was, it was embarrassing. And like I said to my dad, like, I don't understand. Like, I, I, his team won in 85. My team should have won this time. I've right. never gotten over it. I met a guy nearby in Hohokus who saw me wearing a flyer sweatshirt. And we started talking. He's around my age. And he has those great flyer DVDs. I'm sure you have it with the Rangers. Like, you know, top 10 greatest games of all time. You have the DVD set. And I said, he, I saw he had it. I go, I got to come over to your house. I went over to his house a year ago. I go, let's watch game six again. J.J. Daniel, game-winning goal at the Spectrum. Couldn't get the, that DVD to work. We ended up watching like a random game from like 85. I'm like, okay, still fun to watch like old school hockey. The best part of it, again, as hockey fans, you guys will appreciate, no butterfly. Every time the guy would just kick it. It's so funny watching the goalie kick, save it. They just kick the bucket every single time. I'm like, God, just go on the butterfly. You'll smother the net. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, 87 broke my heart. And then 97 broke my heart. I thought for sure. Lindros beat the Rangers, beat the Penguins, like passing of the torch. Lindros is the guy. Hextall back in net after being gone. And then frickin' the Red Wings swept him. Darren McCarty, that goal in game four, breakaway haunts me to this day. And then I was working at ESPN. 2010 was my first year. And I'm uh, May 2nd, May 3rd, 2010, I started there. And of course, the Flyers went on that run. A couple weeks later, they're playing the Bruins and they're down 3 0. And then it was 3 2. And my wife said to me, if it goes seven, we got to get tickets. I'm like, yeah, yeah. she's on Flyers fans, Sharks fans. Like, no, let's do it. And so it was just me, her, and Yusuf at the time. He was under two. So we got to pay for two tickets. Upper level, I want to say it was maybe. 120 apiece, like nothing obnoxious for a game seven. And of course, Philly won game six. We got there a little bit late, walked in two nothing Boston. I'm like, oh my God. And I wasn't going to wear like Flyers garb. I had the t shirt, like a jacket over it. I'm like, I'm not going to get beat up, which I'll get to in a second. Yusuf wearing like an all brown suit. So you look like a little bear. You actually look like a Bruin. But then the Flyers come back, boom, boom, boom. Simone Gagne scores four three. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to do it. And I come in, we came back to win game seven after being down 3 0, one of the great comebacks ever in hockey history. I tell my wife, we got to run out of here. As we were going out, I saw a guy in a John LeClaire jersey just getting destroyed. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I don't know what he said or what happened, but I'm like, we, we are going to get annihilated. So Scary the Flyers place. is the one that's been the most painful, the one that I, I mean, it's been 35 you've years. Seen the, you've seen your other teams win. So, you know, exactly. To Nick's point, I never thought the Eagles would win. They won in Minnesota. The Jays, I was 14, 15. Yeah. I saw them. And go you back and Drake. Back. 
Got your raptors and then disowned sent it to the parade. Exactly. So I got to go to the parade. So can't, like, can't, I, can't get it. So you got to go at the farm. Yeah, it's sense. more painful when you haven't seen your team win. That's what's so for you in your in your career, your life here. What was your you know I'm right moment? So what I mean by that is it the time and place where you wanted to do something, pursue something, and you ask somebody for advice and they're like, you know what, I don't do that. That's a bad idea. And you're like, you know what, I'm gonna do it anyway. And ultimately you will see why it is that I'm right. Wow, that's a good question. It's our question. You should I, have expected it. I know. I'm, I'm like Joe now and asking the worst movie ever. I'm like, I, I wasn't expecting that. So a time that I, someone told me not to do something. So I'm thinking career first. I'll think it out loud. But I'm like, people have always been supportive. Like I told my parents, they were kind of like, yeah, like, you know, do what you want. Like, I think they wanted me to be a lawyer. And I'm like, I'm going to go to this radio and television arts program and be a broadcaster. Yeah, do whatever you want. Okay, good luck to you. I, I think it was probably around that time. Probably I had family members saying like, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think it's a good idea. Like, you should go get something else rather than broadcasting. Well, that's probably going to work. Now, I wouldn't say I was cocky enough to say, you know, I'm right. But I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to give it a shot. I may fail, but we'll figure it out. I think the other one was I was working. My first on-air job was Bollywood Boulevard, Omni Television. And uh, I was doing, yeah, I think that's probably, that's probably good. You know, I'm right. I was working at TSN behind the scenes. I was an associate producer. I was making 45 grand a year, 2002. And Stan Popolkis was the guy who's running Omni, which is kind of like PBS, I would say, in the States. Multicultural channel, you know, different cultures, backgrounds, et cetera. And my dad had sent me the link for a job. And it was in the Toronto Star because he still reads the newspaper. And it was like an interstitial host. So before Letterman was on, they would have a woman named Lucy Zillio do like a five-minute segment. I want to say almost like John Oliver, John Stewart-esque. Have a little segment over the shoulder. So I auditioned for that, didn't get it which has kind of been the theme at that point. I did not get a kid's host job, did not get a weather network job, did not get a sportscasting job. In the city in which I grew up, in Kingston, Ontario, I couldn't get the local sports job. So all these jobs I got turned down for. And then Stan calls me and goes, all right, you didn't get the job, but there's a show called Bollywood Boulevard you can do. And I was like, listen, man, my family's Pakistani. My parents obviously watch Indian movies. They know Bollywood. I don't. Like, I love movies, but I don't really, I know a few names, but I don't, bro, you'll be fine. I talked to some people at TSN. They told me you're a pro. You're going to be a broadcaster one day. You know your stuff. We'll be fine. We'll get you people that will help you. Again, theme of my life. People that will just help me, support me, make me look good. I'm like, all right, well, I'll do what you need to do. So I remember quitting, and I was making 45 grand. That show, Bottle Bulver, was $215 an episode. So I think I did the math on that, and I was like, I'm, I'm taking a $20,000 pay cut. <laughs> uh, but I was like, what the hell? If you want to be on air, you're going to be on air. And within two weeks, I was so fortunate. Another guy working there, Vak Verakaitis, who was a former TSN guy behind the scenes, said, hey, I heard some good things from Stan. We have another show for you. It's called Omniculture. You can host that show. Now, that show was $350 an episode. I'm like, great. So I did the math on that, and I got it to maybe 32 grand. So again, I think my brother was like, are you sure about this? Like, you're, you're taking at least a $13,000 pay cut. You have no benefits. This is a freelance job. Um, just because you want to be on TV that bad? I'm like, yeah, I think I'll do it. And then okay. after that... This is a long story now, but Nick got me going. Nick Ciccioni, who was the floor director on those shows, was like, what's your deal? I'm like, what? He's like, you're not like the other people here. I clearly, every time I see you, you're watching sports. Like, you're not, I think, whatever, this Bollywood Boulevard thing, this clearly is not your passion. I'm like, well, I, I'd like to be a sports catcher, but I, I couldn't get a job, so here I am. My cousin Anthony is running this station called The Score. I just started, 24-7 Sports Network. I'll put in the word. I meet Anthony. He was like, yeah, your tape's okay. You seem like a nice guy. Nick says you're a great guy, so let's keep in touch. Six months later, Anthony goes, I think you're ready. I'll hire you. Freelance rate, 150 a shift. Again, people are like, I don't know about this. You're, 
you were making 550, now you're going to 150, and it's freelance. You have no idea. You could get one shift, you could get five shifts a week. I'm like, no, I'll do it. And then eventually, Anthony was like, just quit that place. Quit Omni. I'll, I'll get you enough sports jobs to be fine. I remember my brother said to me, I hope he doesn't get hit by a bus. <laughs> Which is a funny line. Like, imagine I have this handshake deal. The guy who got hit by a bus, he's dead. He can't help you now. We're not going to hire you. But that was probably my, you know, I'm right moment. Just, I guess, betting on myself. Always bet on yourself. Yeah. And then you know how the end works here. You are one of our greatest supporters. You will always be our greatest supporter. And you are a great and dear friend. Thank you for doing this with us. Episode 200. I know you're surprised. We're surprised as well. Uh, but if there's anything else you'd like to say, last words, go ahead. No, listen, a little humility goes a long way. I, I'm impressed with both you guys. I think it takes a lot of initiative. Like, I think it's actually a good example for other people. I hear all the time, I like to do a podcast. How should I do a podcast? And the answer is just do it. Like, no one's going to hand it to you. Like, you guys are just, you get your own equipment. I'll get my lights. I'll get my camera. I will, I will be resourceful. I would describe you both as resourceful. Like, you just go, I'll just figure it out. Like, I'm just going to get Kenny Albert's information. I'm going to hit him up and hopefully he says yes. I'll, so get I do. Steve, I'll get Steve Levy's email. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe he'll tell me to buzz off, but like, let me just give it a shot. I, I, I look forward to the pod growing more and more. I think the key is you guys have audio and your video, you know, the good clips that you post, everything they do with social media, as you guys know, which is obviously your wheelhouse. So you, you keep posting those clips, things will work out. You know I'm right, we'll just take over. And at the end of the day, the, the, the process is the reward itself. 200 episodes? Like if tomorrow this thing ends, you go, hey, we did 200 episodes of a podcast, pretty good. Eventually it's gonna be 300, it's gonna be 500. Eventually you'll get Joe Micheletti back here. Like it's, there's lots of good things. How, I know you love many, that Joe episode. By the way, how many times has Rogowski done this? Was it just the one time with me? That's you it. Get, He's off the grid now, Rogowski. Okay, like I, I have a wish list now for you guys. I want to get Adam Amin on. Like it was so cool. I'm like Adam Amin was calling the game on Fox where Judge could hit 61 at the time. He was at 60. Then Steven Nelson called the game the next day on Apple. Like, oh my God, I might have a friend calling the Judge game. And then Carl Ravage called the game Sunday. I go, this is incredible. All my friends are about to call history. So you got to get Adam Amin on the podcast. He's the best. Fox Sports. Voice of the Chicago Bulls, absolute star. He's going to be calling Super Bowls one day for Fox. Get Adam Mead on the podcast. Got to get Max Bradas on with the World Cup coming up. Max on World Cup. Max returns. Yeah. All right. Max returns. Yeah. You got to get Max. You've had Max before. Uh, Nelson? You had Nelly. You must have had Nelly. I think we got to get Steve Levy on. You haven't had Steve Levy yet. No. Right. So, Steve, no, you re it. You've reached out to him. I'm sure you've reached we'll out. We'll see to him. what happens. Well, right. What's going to happen? But, uh, right. man, we thank you for your time. It's, it's a pleasure as always. That's going to do it here for this episode. Episode 200 of You Know I'm Right for our very special guest, Adnan Burke, for my coach, Joe Calabrese. I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right, episode 200. Mm -hmm.